Hey ballers, welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, where we talk about the latest in sports, tech, and pop culture. This is Mark along with John and Pete, of course. As a kind reminder, if you like what you hear or see, please hit that subscribe button. Tonight, we welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Colin Beach. Good evening, Colin. Good evening. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, looking forward to this. Hey, Colin. Hey. All right. How's everyone been? John, uh, John, why don't we start with you? I had to get to my mic button, but I did. I think that was the <laughs> best I've done it, Pete. There you go. Nice job. I think, I think I'm a professional now. Wonderful. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Done. Done. Producer John. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, to fix our internet problems last night, I just bought more internet. So, you know, we'll see if that works. <laughs> when in doubt. I just love like, that solution. I was just like, fuck it. More internet. <laughs> I love that Maximize solution. the internet. Eh, who knows? We're zoomed in a little too, so we'll see if that works. Um, work was good. Week was good. I'm excited. Uh, Colin's here. Very exciting. And uh, mm-hmm. I have a beer. So, yeah, we're killing it. You know, that's something Fantastic. I didn't have. I didn't have that last last week. I did not have any kind of drink. I didn't have a water. I didn't have any kind of adult beverage. I had such dry mouth after the episode. Oh, no. <laughs> you were doing it wrong. Stop doing it wrong. wrong. Well, I was I was a little bit late. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're on. So and, and I had everyone, no time. Um, everyone, what Mark means by it was a little bit late is that he took a nap until the show started and I had to wake him up. That's why he wasn't on. <laughs> yeah. no, John had to wake me up. I, I had fallen asleep. Show Amazing. code, bro. You got to talk about it. Yeah. Hey, it's, it had been a while since we had been on, on, so I wasn't used to the, the late nights anymore. That's okay. <laughs> I'm an old man. I go to bed at like seven. I'm also know. gonna be a really I'm gonna be a really good IT guy and I'm gonna watch my upload during the show. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. look at you. While John's That's doing that, Pete, Pete, how we how we doing? How's the little one? We yeah, we have another we have another little special guest. Producer in training Tom, Tom William how, how are you doing? Say something. <laughs> <laughs> he cooed a little earlier while yeah, he's, we he's a little mic shy right now. Oh my god, <laughs> Liam's on the show. So excited. Totally jealous you know, that Liam has Going as good as, like, as it can be. We're finally finishing up a huge project at work, which is giving me a little sigh of relief. Supervising another one in parallel, so we'll see how that goes. And you Ooh. said something very apt today for a new dad. You're kind of living every day like it's Groundhog Day. Is it still February 2nd? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not even <laughs> at February 2nd yet, and it's been that. <laughs> But it's it's especially so for Steph. She said, like, especially, you know, her not going back to work yet and her just kind of doing the same thing, especially on days where I'm working in the office, not here, but like actually at work. And one of her parents isn't here. Like, so she's all alone. She's like, it's totally groundhog. Day. Oh, uh, yeah? It's totally wild, man. I mean, you really lose track of. And it's right. It's really important to, like, remember you're a person and, like, do person things. Oh, yeah. I love that babies have no sense of time. Oh, none no at all. None, none at all. It's it's fascinating. You yep. realize what we take for granted. Yeah, his bedtime is somewhere between 1 and 2.30 in the morning every night. His bedtime sure. is when he's tired because yes. time is irrelevant. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's we're taking it for granted, Colin. It's just, it's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. it's just, it makes you wonder what freedom really is. 
you know, like hey, you said, I, don't, I don't care. Nice. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get to know our guests a little bit better, shall we? But we're going to we're going to change things up a little bit, though. Yeah, We're not doing that at all this yeah, week because we already, we already know. Actually, as, as opposed to some guest questions, what we're going to do, uh, we we actually let our uh, our special guest call and pick a topic. And we're going to actually start the show off in a segment that hopefully will be a recurring segment. And we're going to call it ball in the corner pocket. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, for all these new segments, Pete, we're going to need like a segment little song. Little sound bites, right? Yeah, a little segment song. Bring, bring, bonus segment. That's good. I like that. <laughs> Maybe we can get Steph to sing a ball in the corner pocket little, little okay. uh, jingle. <laughs> so this week's topic <laughs> we're going to do is the current state of artificial intelligence or AI. Now, thank you, John, for writing my copy, by the way. The latest annual McKinsey Global Survey on the current state of AI confirms the explosive growth of generative AI tools. Less than a year after many of these tools debuted, this survey revealed that about a third of all people or, and nearly one out of every four C-suite executives say they are using generative AI tools for work in some capacity. So, Colin, what are your thoughts on the current state of generative AI, and what do you think is in store for us, both personally and professionally? It's funny, because this has exploded in my own personal life probably over the past three weeks, because Ooh. at my job... Ooh. Um, I have now been put in charge of uh, looking for the cool futuristic technologies that might change really? how things are done in human services, uh, government-based human services. Yeah, and everybody is really, really excited about AI. I actually happen to have sat in a demo today with a major corporation. I'll leave them nameless, but they showed up today and showed <laughs> us their AI product. And it was really compelling because, you know, you can have a pile of laws sitting on the table that nobody in their right mind would ever want to read. And I've had that job, by the way. Go read the thousand pages of laws, right? You can't, you don't want to do it. You can just point these things at that and they will absorb it. And you can then ask them questions like, what does it say on page 74? What does it say about... Um, albino squirrels and do they have the right to this particular kind of eligibility category things like that and you know it'll just spit answers back at you and that's where i think it's interesting because and i i hate to sound like an old fuddy-duddy right but you got to have some critical thinking because i'm sitting here looking at this tool today and i said you know okay so it'll absorb laws what if i have written down all the policies and procedures in my office can it absorb that too oh yes and I turned to our director and I said, so you know what that means, right? She said, we should give them boats of money right now. It's obviously the best product that ever worked. And I said, yes, but it'll only ever be as good as the documentation that this group has put together. And it just sort of slowly dawned on her like, oh, that's, you know, I'm like, also, yeah, it's, it's not thinking for itself. Follows the rules consistently yeah that's a promise so it's one of those things where i see the promise and so the other the other part of this demo today that was really interesting and john i'm gonna you know a little extra cody for you but um are folks familiar with a, what a um like a database drawing is and any relationship diagram anybody seen i am like a venn diagram yeah Cut, well sort of it's it's like a map of data like a mall kiosk and it's like here's oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah part is and where that part is and you know it's what the okay. data guy will use to just plan things but it's very loose and you can take these ais now and you can point them at this erd diagram and say hey go ahead and actually build the database for me like create the computer code that will instantiate the database to those dimensions and this little bot will churn for about 
15 seconds, done. The code's there. Hmm. Sorry, and, uh, I'm just laugh, uh, laughing at the cat cameo that just Tom happened. Tom is yeah. always yeah. here. <laughs> Tom is Tom is on <laughs> And I even said to them, because I have I had tools back in the day, I said, not only do you do the database, but have you guys ever generated the actual like C sharp classes from now the SQL structure? And they're like, No. And they tried it live in front of me and by God it worked. And they actually left the demo with a new understanding of their product they didn't already have. Uh and how it can get these things structured. So That's again super cool. though, all, no, so but who built the CRD? Right? And did right. they build it right? And so that's where I'm kind of, you know, I think when I was last on the show talking about AI, I said, listen, these are cute toys. And I still kind of hold the theory that they are very cute toys. And we've always been amused with our toys, thinking a lot they're a lot more significant than they are. But man, having seen this thing in action, I swear to God, I have this itchy, like, I want it, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. because in the, oh, and I'll say this, and, and, no, and then I'll kind of get some feedback too, but it's like, in, in the hands of a novice, it's a godsend because it's content on demand. But that habit of leaning on that without any sort of understanding of what's going on, you're going to get bit real hard and you're going to look real dumb eventually, right? But in the hands of a master who's running a shop where there's repetitive tasks and they can mm -hmm. turn this, they can turn things away from staff maybe who are apprentices kind of need to do some of that stuff, but junior staff who are bored, right? Being able to outsource a lot of this stuff to them and then start cultivating them more and other things. That's the future. I mean, There's you no were the first one who said it no to me. Um, I think AI yeah. in general, and I agree with you, is it's going to change the task. I mean, the task yeah. will not, the task in 10 years, let's say, will no longer be about creating the content. No matter what content right. it is, it'll be no longer about creating it. It'll be about kind of sifting it and choosing it. And maybe we're creating a lot more of it, right? Yeah. Strange example. Have you ever seen an automatic donut maker? Yep. They're super impressive, like in the store shop window and like, okay. it's like a Rube Goldberg machine. Like there's literally little like things that flip the donuts and stuff and they move on a little oh, conveyor yeah. belt. And I mean, it's freaking awesome. It's the same. It's like once you've automated that portion right now, it's all about the frostings and the yep. designs and like, right. right? And it's because you don't have to worry That's about just metaphor. 100 donuts a day, right? We've licked that problem, right? So, so that, you know, and it's like, and so that's where you have a choice now. And this is where it really gets into like my PhD program, what we were about. Do you move towards human progress for its own sake? And you say like, well, by having the machines do the labor, we can all engage in the liberal arts, right? Which is a very sort of Northeast, you know, yeah. kind of system. or, or, or we could make a killing in the market, <laughs> right? So there's an example of my program of technology that's a golem. This is very much a golem in the sense that it's very powerful and it will run amok in your garden and it'll do what you tell it to do. Human progress, massive profit. Are the two incommensurable? We don't know. But those are the kinds of questions that we're going to have to, we are going to have to start asking us because of the maturity of this technology now. And the speed you feel of it as too, society, right? we, we care about those questions? Some of us, um, it's a spectrum. Some of us care yeah. very deeply about one part of that question. Some of us care very deeply about, about the, other. the other. And a much larger portion of us don't really think about it at all. Mm. Which is probably <laughs> even, probably of the three positions, probably the most dangerous one, right? Oh, and I then, think so. So right. in, in this 10-year future that I like to talk about, OpenAI has licked reasoning, and now we're we're doing really complex pattern solving through ingesting tons and tons of data. But we're also like a little good at problem solving, and we're we've figured out how to do this failure based problem solving that we've talked about on the show before. How much does AI get? Like how how many tasks does it get if it's good at solving problems 
and solving patterns? An interesting question. When I think about the question, I always go back to, have, have I told you about the Chinese room? The Chinese I want you to, room, what is that? I don't I remember, like but okay. you should say it on the show anyway. So I use this example a lot. I think some people roll their eyes like, oh my God, the Chinese room again. But but it's a great example. So your job is this, the, you know, back in the day we had photomat when you want to develop your pictures, right? So imagine a photomat-like little structure in a parking lot. And there's a guy sitting in there with a big binder. The binder is thousands of pages. And on there's a column A and with that, a uh, Mandarin Chinese character in column A and then column B, a another corresponding Mandarin Chinese character. And in the morning, a whole bunch of sheets come in the door with these symbols and the job of the guy is to take the sh sheets that come in, match them into column A, and then he goes into a bucket and pulls out the corresponding column B, shoves that out the door in the outbox. That's his job, right? And he's very good at it. And, you know, over the years he, you know, he can do 1,200 of these a day. When he started, it was only 300. So, objectively he's 400% more productive. Does he speak Chinese? Right. Right. Does he Not speak at all. Chinese? Right, yeah. can't problem solve, and I think it's funny because another th as I think about this, and I'll give I'm trying to answer your question with this ruminating kind of winding road. Uh, watching football as one does on Sunday, I've noticed this recurring ad where it's about AI and analytics, and it shows that the quarterback is dropping back and like heaving the ball right, and it's you know this elegant, stunning image of the ball traveling through the air with the equations dripping off it. Right? Have we seen that? <laughs> You know, That's and amazing, I think amazing, by the way. It's kind of a, it is amazing, and I get so stoked looking at it. But it's like, what, what, like, what are you? What is the product there? What are you really selling? And I think we've defined all these different domains mathematically, and we've defined all these different ways to work things like this. You know, and when I looked back at in my thesis with the the atomic bomb, it was modeling neutrons in the middle of an exploding core. It can be modeling Moneyball in baseball, right? It's like these models we construct. Um, you know, with pre-generative AI, it's neural network encoding. All of these are different kind of stripes of formalism, but at the end of the day, it's just getting really good at solving a whole bunch of puzzle pieces that are on the table. And that's incredible, but, you know, if you aren't someone who knows how to put pieces on the table or take away those that don't belong, you're never going to get anywhere. And that's, I think, the of the edge of what these things can do. And that's going to be a very different problem. And it's pr I bring this up because a lot of people I deal with assume that those problems are being solved by these technologies. They're not, mm. right? It's really good with the puzzle pieces. It's really good. So for another example, it's really good at playing chess where it can see all the pieces. It can't mm. play poker worth a damn. Right. Right. Because right. it doesn't know what information isn't missing. So that was roundabout, John. Sorry, just to... Colin, my, my two cents about, about, about that, uh, going back to the advertising that you saw with the, mm. you know, the swirling ball and, and them showing a bunch of equations. You know what I really think that is for? That's for the people that know that AI is a thing and they don't necessarily understand it, but they kind of want to hop on that bandwagon. And that's kind of a nice, shiny thing to look at. It's like, oh, that's right. Even the rotation of a football, there's certain numbers and data associated with that. So that kind of is like, oh, well, yeah, they, they're drawn to that because they know football. They kind of know that AI is something that they probably need to hop on board with. Oh, let me just, it's a nice shiny object. I think it's, it's just an attention grabber. It's not really meant to do anything other than that. Personally, that's my I opinion. think you're right. And, you know, the other ad that I, so I see the football with the numbers dripping off it and the equations. And the next one I see is little Kevin Hart telling me all about DraftKings, right? <laughs> and I am naturally uh, led to like, 
you know, if I had an AI that could tell me how to gamble, that might be worth something. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, you're crazy if you don't think these bookies are using this, but I don't think that, the, you know, that's kind of, that would be a great question for me. It's for the reason I'm fascinated with I think with that gambling. leads us to the, the second the part of this conversation. Yeah, exactly. Because we, so we, we are at time on the segue. first part. Go ahead. We do okay, have a segue. Great. It's a perfect segue to uh, Pete's question if he has <laughs> it up. I don't. Hold which on. I also wrote. <laughs> I know. Thank you, John. I appreciate you're, it. You're welcome. I'm very slacking now. That's John okay. has become you have lead writer. I'll, I'll be back to normal I like soon. That. I, I think I'll put that on the website. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay. Put it on my link. Um, put it on my LinkedIn. My mom calls LinkedIn Linky Dink. I don't like that at all. But old people. Linky Dink. What is that? <laughs> old people are weird. Uh, put that on your cover. Now letter. I need to do a new segue. <laughs> See, every, every time every time we feel old, our parents just do something that just makes us feel young again. Yeah. Yeah. Linky it's dink. Almost, that is funny. Yeah. All right, it's let's not get too distracted. To, the segue uh, is fading. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, see, now I need to make a new one. It's it's like with, with these parents, they need to evolve. And speaking of evolving, as AI <laughs> continues to evolve, there's a growing need to address some ethical concerns surrounding its use. Uh, some of the ethical issues include bias, privacy, and transparency, which, yeah, there's a lot of talk about that. I mean, think about the actor's strike, for instance. That was a big thing about that. Uh, how do we as a society effectively manage the ethics of AI? Uh, like, who writes the rules? How are they enforced? Uh, who gets to say what that even is? It's not the first time we've encountered a problem like this. And there's, you know, I'm really selling my program tonight, but it, there's a uh, <laughs> political scientist I studied with named Ned Woodhouse. I think he's still in the area here. And he always advocated for with any of these technologies. I think it's Ned. He'll kill me if I'm wrong. But something called the precautionary principle where, you know, GMOs, for example, we've always, we've been, you know, hey, we're going to monkey with the genetics of the food that we eat. What could go wrong? Well, hmm. 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 Right. Mm. And the precautionary principle would state like maybe start small contained areas. Again, there's the question of what do we want to achieve here? Is is this to feed hungry people who don't have access? So, for example, we're going to create crops that are more drought resistant, right, to feed third world countries. Or is this, you know, Monsanto <laughs> leveraging over and <laughs> over both. leveraging the product base, right? Or both. Right. Everybody wins. So I think in this case, right, with with you know things like AI, you know, or what does everybody point to, right? The the Terminator scenario, right? It's going to kill us with nuclear fire against our will, right? Well, yeah, we should probably put some guardrails around it. We think we all agree on that, but then it comes down: well, who is going to put that in place? The government. If the government puts laws on the books, are people going to follow them? There's, you know, there's a lot. I was poking around the dark web this week because I'm constantly interested in that kind of thing. And the dark web's always reinventing itself. And sure enough, the dark web dark sure loves. Dark web is all about selling you cocaine, right? It, like I all mean. the cocaine you want, you know. And 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 it's like I point to that as a regulatory problem, right? So if the government's going to regulate. Colin, do you have AI, hidden great, Bitcoin but... to to buy things on the dark web <laughs> that I didn't know about? <laughs> No, no, but I have been a Bitcoin bag man. Um, Officially, no. Tell nice, you that story nice. another time. That was fun. Nice. So my cyber pump. They're listening. And, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> to answer your question, Pete, if it's not if it's yeah. not the government, who really who, who wields the power in our society right now? Yeah, like mm -hmm. what is it? Some circle around a fire and be like, you know, we should probably set these limitations. I would argue that IBM is probably as powerful as a lot of congressmen, if not more so. I mean, and let's put put. Yeah. Put the whole AI industry right now in perspective. OpenAI is a $3 billion company. 
and right. Microsoft has given them all their bags, right? They have said, OpenAI now, ChatGPT lives in Windows. ChatGPT is going to live in Office. It's going to live in literally every part of your life because they're like, mm-hmm. this is the future and we are on board. Even the new Samsung S24 is just like AI, it, AI, the processor does if AI. all of these major companies with major amounts of money are the ones that are guiding the ship, I think that's probably problematic. Right. Well, right, of course, because they're doing it in their with their own self-interest in mind, right? Yeah. That's well, so, a conflict so, so of I went, interest. I went, from, I went from government to the corporation, mm-hmm. who I say is maybe more powerful than the government. And so now I'm going to come to a really weird example. Today, I had to sit through my union presentation, and I'm actually very excited to report, like, I'm now a member of a union. First yeah, time congratulations. Oh, man. Congratulations. Are you... Thank you. Our union has said one of our major items of concern for this coming year is job loss of union members to AI. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's a and good this one. this group, suddenly Ooh. now you have a collective bargaining organization. I never a million years would have thought the unions are going to come storming in to save us from Skynet, right? <laughs> but <laughs> if anybody has proven power to thwart the goals of a corporation, the unions have a rich and interesting history. So you're going to start to see all these weird, like, checks and balances in our culture, I think. And well, and now uh, there's already I'm some just, sort uh, of legal I'm precedent, right? I'm watching it as much as everybody else. Um, how so? The Actors Union and the Writers Union in California, mm-hmm. sure, in yep. kind of a specific yep. circumstance. But the Actors Union and the Writers Union have gotten collective bargaining agreements passed that are based around not losing work to um, AI-generated scripts or AI-generated actors, mm-hmm. which makes it right. kind of the same for everybody. Any lawyer worth the salt could argue that. Right. And now come full circle to being the 22-year-old kid who really just doesn't want to sit there and run UAT test scripts all day. But that's his job because the union saved it. <laughs> and, you know, that's when you see there's a lot of factors at play here. So, As just a matter of course, currently, um, my state agency, um, based on the guidance from Collins State Agency, has blocked the use of ChatGPT on state computers. Um, and I think that they're not doing it because they don't want to use it or they don't trust it. They're, they're doing it because they don't know what they want to do with it yet. And um, an interesting um, circumstance, I work um, service desk at um, my state agency, and um, I had a number of people be like, hey, ChatGPT is blocked. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, but I've yeah. been doing work on it. Okay, you can start programming. Not anymore. You can start doing your own programming or your own copywriting because I understand what you were doing on it. You don't have to tell me. I can read between the lines, but maybe you should just do your own job. And who's in sh- who's in charge of of de- determining what you can use Chat GPT for for the state though? That is like, a very good. That, that seems is a very, very good question. Mm. That seems very fishy to me. That their their answer to blocking Chat GPT is they don't know what they want to use it for. That I mean, that's not, me reading between the lines. One does not lines. sound like it, it leads to the other to me. I mean, they're saying it's a security thing, but it's not really. And there is a oh. portion of it that is um, trying to understand where the data lies. Like, if you're, you're, if you're a major company, right, and you start doing a lot of your announcements and a lot of your things through something like ChatGPT, you're putting a lot of your proprietary data in some cloud server somewhere. And most companies that I have been in, uh, in the IT departments for don't like that at all. That's a big no-no. So that's yeah. one of the things, yeah. too. They're going to have to figure out how to make a version that has like an on-site appliance that they can, companies can manage or it's never going to get off the ground for industry. 
I think it's interesting, too, that if an organization says, you know what, we're not sure what's going to happen here. Let's stop and have a think. Some people go crazy. They can't stand the idea of things coming no. to a halt. And I think that's part of the just the business mentality of time being money. But, you know, yeah. it reminds and me of that just change. Yeah. Everyone's afraid of change. And so talking about how um, AI impacts the workplace, um, like we said, AI is expected to have a significant impact on the future of work. And while AI has the potential to automate many tasks, it also has the potential to create new jobs and even transform or erase existing ones. And so how do you envision the workforce changing and what do we as workers need to do to stay relevant and even employed? You know, I think you have to have organizations that are committed to tasking people with jobs that they actually want to do um, and and also, you know, opportunities where you find it. You know, so for I don't think AI alone is going to transform the labor marketplace to the extent of, you know, 33% of people will now suddenly be out of work. You no. know, bullshit. It's not that no. AI put them out of work. It's that, you know, other market forces maybe came along. And I'm actually I'd be interested to pick Pete's brain because, you know, I would think digital visual arts is probably got major components of it that are labor intensive. And I know I've seen a lot, and I don't know about it, but I know the AI community has done a lot of visual, you know, illustration generation and things like that. How, if you had a team of, and I have no idea about how your world works, Pete, but if I've got eight artists and a new AI's release such that I now have those eight artists can do the work of 12 artists in the same amount of time, do you fire artists or do you up the quality of your product to now account for the new catalyst? And see, that's so, now that's the boss's marketing decision as opposed sure. to AI chain, right? I'm curious what you think. I could say the, the short answer to that is the quality and, and expectation and standard just seems to keep going up and up and up. I mean, and that's been the same way well before AI, right? You get a whole new rendering engine that can do better things. And it's like, oh, it can, it can do Toy Story 1 faster. And like, but we're making Toy Story 2. It's going to look way better, you know? Mm -hmm. um, every, every decade, right? The, the expectation of the audience. Or every time you have a breakthrough movie like Jurassic Park or mm -hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings, right? Avatar. Then it, Avatar. I was going to say right? Avatar. Everybody expects mm -hmm. now every movie to so look like that Avatar. or better. So right. how do you wow them again? So in, in that sense, it's kind of just been a constant race. Now, we, we get better tools all the time. Um, the software I use, it's, it's no secret. Uh, Nuke is what most of the industry uses for compositing. And, you know, every time it has updates, it gets better. There are new features. And lo and behold, the subject we're talking about, there's beginning to be more and more AI generative tool sets in there. Well, Adobe is also all in. Yes, they are. And for certain All things, in. they work really well um, for concept art and for coming up with some quick ideas, um, some resources for at the very least, the brainstorming sessions or early versions of stuff. Sure, it works great. I'll tell you, man, I tried to do a uh, this. I was so excited. It was like this AI generative Z depth pass on, on a 2D shot. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to be able to separate everything depth wise in the shot and be able to do this. Yeah, it didn't work so well. I mean, it, it tried, but it it just it just doesn't it's not there yet and uh roto rotoscoping right that's what takes the most time right you're tracing people we're on a project right now where you know when you get that final five percent it's where the client's like this looks great but i see some like a little bit of wobbling here on this edge the ai the ai is not at a part where it can fix that because it doesn't quite know what to do especially yeah. when it's really tough and all the pixels are the same 
uh, on either side of that. Like you have brown hair in front of a brown muddy road that looks identical and the guy's turning like this. The artist can figure out and actually pick out and animate all those strands of hair that are turning with rotational parallax. The computer can't fucking come close to doing that. I mean, yet. generative fill, in my experience, and I'm not an artist, but I am a computer guy. Generative fill right now is pretty kludgy. Um, it doesn't and, work and that, great. And that's on still frames. Try doing that right. on 24 frames a second on an 8K, right, exactly. right, now, 8K resolution, million dollar camera lens uh, We all picture. are old enough to remember when computers were kludgy and big and slow and stupid. I mean, like, mm -hmm. and now we have the supercomputers comparatively that fit in our pockets that do literally our whole lives. Like, I can live without my phone. And so yeah. I like to take these, like, burgeoning technologies with a light of that where I mean, it's not good now but what happens when it will be good and we already know it's funded so it will be good yeah. one day right it'll get there right it'll we, but we still, we still have a ways to go as i say there's an interesting trap at play here though and there's a book i really love i read called um more work for mother by ruth cohen and she looks mm. at the lives of housewives in like brooklyn i think in the 20s and 30s um, and other areas where women would get together in the mornings and they would all do laundry laboriously with these wash basins with like the washboards, right? It's, you know, terrible, horrible, grueling work. And, but they would sit around and they would chat and they talk about their families and, you know, little Johnny's got this problem and, oh, you should try this, that, and the other, right? And eventually come the technologies of the 40s and the post-war boom, the 50s especially, right? Electrolux, Hoover, uh, General Electric, all these technologies that, you know, are going to save you time. And the effect was interesting because whereas they were spending five hours a day on these tasks and they were with their other community members, eventually they withdrew into their suburban shells where they're becoming increasingly isolated. And now with all this new technology, um, the quality factor goes through the roof. And so even though you've got blenders, washing machines, vacuums, and all that, the actual work time, more work for mother, the workday stretches from five to eight, nine, ten hours right mm -hmm. as this encounter as we introduce these technologies and so you know getting back to pete's problem of right like the the nightmare client who can now have this insatiable demand for incredibly high quality mm -hmm. knowing exactly. that these tools are available and you end up burning out your staff even more and again it's like what's the point of technology but to save work for what for what right profit or more leisure time and then you know those that's a conscious decision somebody needs to make i feel more smarter it's more smarter anyway we're smarter. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. All right, gentlemen. Sports. Are we ready to kick off? Are we ready to kick off this shindig? Hell yeah! Are. I get a first topic. There were lots of newsworthy events from this weekend's NFL Super Wild Card Weekend, <laughs> with only the top seeds of each conference getting a bye. There were six total games spanning three days, including one that got moved to Monday due to snow. It was so, <laughs> it was so fucking exciting. Now, the nation witnessed the normal playoff collapse of the Dallas Cowboys, combined with the rise of Aaron Rod Rodgers' pantomime, Jordan Love, the total demise of the Philadelphia Eagles, and somehow without head coach Sirianni crying on the sidelines, the Dolphins never defrosting to start the game in the frigid Kansas City weather, and of course, Josh Allen doing his best combined Flash and Hulk superhero impersonation. So everyone, what did we learn from the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend? Andy Reid's mustache is disgusting. Yes, <laughs> I definitely learned that. 
My mother-in-law. So was much obsessed. moisture. My mother-in-law and Noel were obsessed with staring at it. They're like, "Oh, it's disgusting! It's terrible! Why do they well, keep just, showing it?" It's just the the grow the ice the the snotsicles just kept growing throughout the game. <laughs> yes. Every quarter, yeah, it's bigger. <laughs> um, momentum matters, and the Texans look great. They Texans do. look pretty good. That well, Cleveland they're, they're they're healthy, formidable yeah. defense. Great. Yeah. Their defense is great. And Nico Collins, did you see, guys? Did you see Nico Collins, who was running far and fast, and he just knew he was looking over the wrong shoulder. He just knew to look over the other one. He just like sensed the ball was coming, and he caught it. And he caught it. It's like a that's ninety yard touchdown pass, and that's called exactly that's called chemistry. Those two guys are close in age, and they mm-hmm. are playing like magic together right now. And they're going to be a watching, threat for a long time. I love watching them because the whole team, they talk about how um, Green Bay is the youngest team in football. I think the Texans are probably the second youngest team in football. Um, I mean, at least yeah. for the significant players, yeah. Like well, the, your skill yeah. positions, right? Your, your star players are all very new. Well, I think the number one thing, too, is coaching definitely matters, right? Sure. You had the two probably most formidable defenses in the Super Wildcard weekend, being the Cleveland Browns and the Dallas Cowboys, and neither of them showed up last week to their game. Browns got slapped around, and I was just talking to Pete yeah. before that game about how the Browns were going to win because their defense was better, and how impressive their defense looked in Week 18 and Week 17, like really impressive. I thought so, too, but I also underestimated, though, that... Uh, Texans getting healthy as quickly as they did because they were pretty banged up. Texans did get healthy just a with few the exception weeks ago, of uh, Tank Dell. Tank, yeah, Tank Dell's still Del. dead, but Devin Singletary's <laughs> playing great. And uh, Damian is. Pierce is healthy. Them with Damian Pierce healthy are really impressive. Their defense is up and coming too. What yeah. else did I learn? I learned that Matt Stafford is a pretty stand-up guy and talked to all his uh, old friends even when they beat him. Even he, he's, um, he's Except great. for the one guy who broke Tyler Higby, uh, busted Tyler Higby's MCL, which he, ca- mm. he called him out because mm. it was a dirty hit. Yeah, that's. I learned sucked. that Mark is really, really good at football and called on week like two <laughs> that the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Dolphins were full of shit. So that's kind of mm-hmm. impressive. Damn. Yeah. yeah. By the way, sp- speaking of this, and and we'll we'll probably talk about this even closer to the end of the season. Like we got to go revisit some of our our hot takes from the beginning of the year where we all did our divisions. By the way, break breaking news. Breaking news. Mike McCarthy is not getting fired from the Dallas. I saw Dallas that today. Cowboys. That came out oh, I today. I did hear that, yeah. That no. came out today. So we did learn that Jerry too. Jerry Jones I mean, if is Mike, sticking with If Mike McCarthy Mike. gets fired, then Jerry Jones has to say he was wrong, and Jerry Jones doesn't say he was yeah. wrong. What did you think about the weekend, Colin? Obviously, I'm very excited about my bills. Uh, I, you know, I can't believe coming into this season that we would have ended up two, number two seeded. Um, yeah. you know, I'm kind of interested to see, I, I heard it told that, um, you know, um, Kansas city and Mahomes have never had to travel before. This is his yep. first playoff road game, yeah. which is That's kind correct. of unbelievable. Uh, I kind, kind of, of unbelievable. really psychologically just unnerves him. I really I hope do. It's so uh, cold. I just hope it's so cold. Yeah. I don't it's know if the no- cold is going to bother I hope it, I hope it, it well. snows again. I just yeah, hope it's really like, uncomfortable. I just, Really yeah. uncomfortable because the Bills don't give to, a shit. Yeah, welcome to hell frozen over. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> no, it um, was colder in Kansas City than it was in Buffalo. So about that, another thing I learned in the playoffs, um, you know, unlike the uh, formerly Rich Stadium, whatever it is now, Highmark Stadium in Buffalo, which is a gajillion years old and slated to be demolished because it's practically condemned. Most modern stadiums, regardless of how cold it is, have heated fields. Heated fields. Uh, 
the temperature down there on the field at KC for in most parts of the field was a balmy 40 degrees that the ground was. It did Except not look like it part. wasn't. <laughs> well, there was one part of it that wasn't, and they kept talking about it. They're like, oh, there's one qu- quadrant near the end zone is, is completely frozen, so players might slip. They never did, but it was yeah. kind of thought in the back of my head the whole time. And plus, you know, the Bills field is turf. It's, it's I don't know. It, we'll it's see. also, Pete, our first contact with the monster that is the Kelsey Taylor Swift hype machine. Oh, mm-hmm. do you think Taylor Swift is coming to Buffalo? Absolutely. I hope so. I hope so, and I hope that you know, ra- you know, chicken wings there burn her asshole. You know. By the way, Pete, your 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 wife your wife has your wife has told me she's actually bailing on you this weekend and going to Buffalo so she can see the game. That that's fair. She wants to meet Taylor. That's yeah. right, Mark. That's right. I forgot you're a Tay Tay. Yeah. On their podcast, um, New Heights, not a sponsor. Hey, Kelsey Brothers. The Kelsey Brothers. Hey, Kelsey um, Brothers. <laughs> pot swap. Yeah, you Who wants to do a pot swap? You yeah. saw Travis's hands were all blue, uh, bruised and blistered from being frozen, and he yes. had all his gear on and stuff. But still, like his hands were really yes. un- it was I they mean, were uncomfortable. That was really cold out there. You can't. Yeah, the, there's yeah. there's no equipment that exists that can yeah. really protect you from that that cold. Right, like being to, out there for essentially three hours. Yeah, even even though the field was warm, it's it doesn't mean the air there is not ridiculously yeah, cold. <laughs> I gotta ask because I have I, ha- I haven't had a chance to ask any other guys about this. So I am. I'm, do you think Kelsey's distracted? And do you think the whole thing's a distraction for the team? I don't. As he was dropping passes, but his hands think, were also screwed. Yeah, I think it was. That's just a combination of the weather, and I think he's honestly he's slowly. We're slowly seeing the end of his prime. Like he's in his twilight years now in his career. His brother just retired. I think his, it has more to actually. That, well, that also came out today. That is not official. Um, oh, it isn't. Oh, I thought it was. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I no, I, I, I. That's according to my echo, so I don't really know. If that's, <laughs> that's, that's real or not. I don't think. I don't think that has been a distraction. I think it's because the Chiefs don't really have a lot of highly skilled, uh, rather, um, dangerous skill players. That tr- the, essentially a lot of the mm-hmm. defense has now just been concentrating on like double teaming Kelsey and no one I mean, else. Yes. There's nobody else on the team. Rashi Rice is. Yeah. Um, I mean, now sure Rashi Rice, Rice, Rice also came from how cold it was, too. But. Sure, Rashi yeah. Rice is playing well, but Rashi Rice yeah. isn't Travis Kelsey, and he's not Stefan no. Diggs, and he's not, not a, yet. he's not a 1A. plus. He's not that guy. Not no. yet. But he's, he's no. showing some promise, though. No, I, he's good because Patrick he, Mahomes is still a magician. I mean, Pat's still oh, the yeah? best QB in the league. <laughs> Still, I'm not saying he's going to be. A, I'm not going to. I'm not saying he's Justin Jefferson, and but he's going to be a Tyreek Hill next year. I think. And I'm just saying. Uh, well, does he run four two forty? Pat is oh, no, a little tired <laughs> of MVS and Kadarius Tony dropping passes. Wouldn't you yeah. be? Yeah, I will say though. While while Mahomes, I think overall, you know, historically is is probably still the best QB in the league. He's not having his best season. But Allen is players. getting hot at just the right time, and that's why I'm so yeah. excited for this yep. game coming. Momentum up because, is huge, right? Yeah, we've said yeah. we've said John John and I have said this for years. Momentum is huge, mm-hmm. not in just guys, football, pretty much yeah. any sport. I need your clothes, your boots, and your next topic. I mean, something out of a Buffalo Bills fan fiction. Uh, amongst actual feet of snow, Josh Allen led his team to a dominant 31-17 victory on Monday over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Bills are used to the divisional round, losing it in the last two years, but this feels different. At least to me it does. I hope it does to you guys. Uh, before the Snow Bowl, which I'm lovingly calling it, this past weekend, 18 inches of snow had to be cleared off Highmark Stadium, 
and um, I'm sure everyone who has a sportscast uh, knew fans came from far and wide and worked until four in the morning and even later, honestly, uh, for $20 an hour and a sandwich. Uh, the game itself had snow being thrown in the air in celebration when Josh rumbled in from 52 yards out for a touchdown. And I like to say like a centaur. Hi, Lisa. That was a great metaphor. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Lisa there. So everyone, but mostly Pete and Colin, what do you think about the Bills chances this year? And Pete, Tell everyone what you really feel about the media's biased coverage of Josh Allen. <laughs> also, did we know that he's also dating a multi-threat talent in Haley Steinfeld? Because I just learned that. Yeah, that's that was been a secret, hasn't it? Did. That was a little uh, controversial, though, towards the beginning of the season. Although I don't think he was dating her yet, but rumors and swirlings and drama about why his relationship with his high school sweetheart ending earlier in the season was yet another distraction, which may have also contributed to things happening at the end of last season and why Diggs was all up in his grill mm. uh, or on his case up in his grill. At, the, at the end of the, the disastrous playoff loss to the Bengals. But that's all hearsay. I don't want to put anything. Yes. What, what are our thoughts about this weekend? You know, it's funny because you asked me the question and I immediately get really stressed <laughs> because <laughs> I go you're a back. Fan. Yeah, I go win back this one. To my my youth and like what happened from ninety to ninety three. You know, four in mm -hmm. a row, and every time I think like, oh God, we've got this locked down, right? It just like falls through. You know, so I'll tell you this. Like I said, you know, the first four games of this season, I walked away from those first four thinking, you know, it's probably not going to be this year. I just just from the look of things, you know, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that that Bengals loss, uh, Miami, um, yeah, but it's been a weird season. Seen, it's been a very weird season, but the yeah. last four weeks, oh my God, who is this house of trades? Why are they so difficult all of a sudden? You know, it's like, it's like they're coming up. <laughs> because they're That's running the like ball. Watching Josh Allen mm -hmm. and the running. Yeah, like, like, yeah they've, they've yeah. added that dimension. Yeah. They decided not to run four verticals every play. And I got to explain <laughs> to my knew? wife the difference, like what the running back does versus the fullback, you know, versus the QB sneak. And, you know, sure. it's like, oh, we're firing on all these cylinders. It's like a clinic, you know, it's right. great. And they can uh, still actually, do those those deep routes and everything like that, which they still sprinkle in. It's it's just way more varied, and it it actually attacks defenses' weaknesses now. Who knew what a yeah, difference an offensive yeah. coordinator change can make? Also, Dalton Kincaid. Well, mm -hmm. we knew the talent was there, but he wasn't getting used in the first half of the season. Not like it's, recently. It seems like something has gelled. And you know, to answer Mark's question, I looked at Noel this past weekend, and I said, I do believe you're seeing peak Buffalo Bills football. I'm not, you know, yeah, it hasn't felt like this till going back to like when we had Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed and Even Jim Kelly. And push push was impressive. Yeah. Uh, the tush push. Right. Yeah, that's the, the, push that's push. the other thing. They're inventing new things, you know, like play styles. Yeah, it's really exciting. Are, the yeah, impressive part about on. that about that run was that Josh Allen was sideways on top of an offensive lineman's back. And then a, one of the backfield guys, maybe one of the running backs, kept him up there while the guy was pushing forward. It was amazing. It was an amazing yeah, they like, play. They're like, hold on, this isn't going to work. Hold on, Josh, we're going to rotate you on top of this guy. Okay, now, now we're good. Now fall forward. Okay. At what point is it this rolling scrum of crowd surfing a guy across the top? Scrum right? is a it good is, word for that. <laughs> it, was a, it was a rugby yeah. scrum. Yeah. Um, it'll be, yeah, it's, it's incredible how it just keeps evolving. Philly was it was all the rate all the big news about it in the beginning of the season and then they started their epic collapse and then everybody started catching on like oh buffalo's doing it slightly differently but the same idea right just a little bit different technique so now yeah are they gonna 
are they going to have to enforce that differently? Is there going to be a rule against that kind of stuff? Are they will they blow the whistle if forward progress is stopped sooner? I need a name for it more hilarious than the brotherly shove from you Buffalo folks. Well, so Deion Dawkins is their left tackle, right? And he's the, he's the lead blocker because they usually do it to the left. So it's called it's been called the bobsled because you got the guy behind the bobsled. Yep, you got the guy behind shoving literally shoving Josh's Josh's ass multiple people. Yep. Yeah. And um, like they're in a bobsled. Exactly. (laughs) Like it looks like the bobsled formation. And then the other one is the snow plow because Deion Dawkins has a whole thing with like, you don't know snow or something. I don't know. It's a whole, it's a Buffalo thing. It's it's a bobsled. Bobsled. It's definitely a bobsled. So snow plow and bobsled. So we're not going to talk about it too loud, but how are we going to do against KC with most of your first string offense injured in that game last week? Mm -hmm. Defense, you mean? Oh, yes, offense is pretty defense, healthy, I mean. but Mark knew what I meant. I yes, know. not good. Um, it's guys. I don't have a very good feeling about this for the Bills. I'm sorry, I don't. Yeah, there's a lot of people. But hurt. The, it, it could be the cooler of me talking right now. No, it, it, it's a valid concern with how many people went down. It it will look better if they can get at least two of their starters back in there. Then it won't be that bad. But that needs to happen. Um, You're never going to beat them on paper. I think the hope is to unnerve them enough and get them off balance enough that you can capitalize on that, hopefully. And then also the offense just needs to go ballistic. Yeah. I actually give Bill's offense advantage over KC's right now. Just They, they seem agree. to have their play calling together yeah. and their, their overall talent a little bit higher. Although Pacheco looks dangerous. I think it's, I think it's all dependent on the running game. I think whoever has a better running game is probably going to win on Sunday. That's why I hope that. it's just I hope it's just so cold, just so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Maybe snowing during the game. That always works out. Cook versus Pacheco. Do we know do we know what this the 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 fork weather forecast is for, for that game? Actually looking what? it up right now. Where's the research department we need with? I know. They've had Lake Effect <laughs> storms in the area since the game, even. Like they're they've been buried. By the way, I I we didn't really talk about this. I I um what John, when you mentioned about how they hired all these people from Buffalo to shovel out the snow, did you actually see they didn't shovel out the visitor Ooh. section of the stadium? Amazing. <laughs> I thought that was so Steelers fans had to like like try to like maneuver oh, their way that. through yeah. the snow. I, I watched a, a couple of Steelers fans literally like trudging a path through it. It was funny. But, I mean, there were some, some Bills fans that had to do the same thing, but they had fun with it anyway. Every time they scored, I loved the snow flying up. John mentioned oh, it. Oh, amazing. It's so magical. 20, 20 degrees Fahrenheit, 50% chance snow showers. Hell yeah. 50%. Dang. Bring okay. it on. That sounds like playoffs in Buffalo. No, no, no. You got to listen to the way people talk. You don't say affirmative or some shit like that. You say no problemo. And if someone comes on to you with an attitude, you say eat me. And if you want to shine on them, it's next topic, baby. Next topic, baby. The Australian Open kicked off this weekend uh, down in Melbourne. And while it's known for being the first tennis major of the year, it's starting to gain infamy for replacing bleachers at one of its courts with a courtside bar, appropriately named the courtside bar. Now, this isn't new to other sports that have bars right next to the field to play, but tennis normally has the judges call for silence right before each point. There are mixed reactions to the bar that actually has a DJ playing music as as well. So the Sitsipas brothers, God, I hope I said that right, including last year's runner-up Stefanos, are not fans of the additional noise, but others are excited for something that can attract more fans. Can you say that together? First name, last name, just for the alliteration. Stefanos Sitsipas. 
Amazing. Wow. Really I, I, I've only, I haven't had one scotch yet, so I think Did I'm going to okay practice that. that. Kind of. <laughs> so, everyone, what are our thoughts on the courtside bar at the Australian Oak? By the way, does anyone has anyone played tennis in, on this podcast? Not in a I long mean, time. Not Marcus. professionally. But you've watched you've watched tennis. I'm guessing at yeah. some point. Oh, and yeah. you, we, it, it, it's normally a quiet sport. We played it in summer camp. You had to take classes in it, so I I've played tons of it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, tournament yeah. tennis is and very yeah. formal. Yeah, and and we had a camp tournament, and God help you, you could hear a pin drop. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I guess my first thought is that in 2024, what is the place for like button down, quiet please, fancy English British sports? Like, what is the place of that in 2024? And and really. The idea that maybe tennis and and less golf now because tennis golf and golf, become, um, well, but yeah, maybe it's become a little bit too stodgy for a twenty-something. Mm. Where right, and then just like as in from a marketing perspective, like you have to think about well, what's going to keep people coming because all the people who used to like stodgy sports are getting old and they don't go anywhere anymore. It kind of reminds me of the scene in Happy Gilmore where. You know, he <laughs> goes into like, the tea and everybody's all quiet. Yeah. And he does the like, come on, what the hell? Why is it so quiet? Like, let's go. I, I'll, I'll say this. Like, so noise can eventually become white noise, right? Like you just, you hear it, but you don't really recognize it. It's really the fluctuation mm-hmm. of noises that kind of bothers like go- tennis players and golfers. Like, like, like in Happy Gilmore, yeah, that's fine. Like everyone was cheering loudly and whatnot, but it was kind sure. of at the same level the entire time. Yeah. As long as no one, you know, what was what was the that the, that golf tournament, John? I forget. We we brought this up last season that someone just randomly yelled out while, while someone like hit their their tee shot, and it's because he had some money uh, placed on um, on on the on the tournament as well, Ooh, for, like specific for a nefarious purpose. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. Okay. Like that's the those are the noises that really bother. It's the fluctuation yeah. of noise that kind of bothers professional athletes when you're when you're especially when you're not used to it. Like mm-hmm. it, it, there'd be nothing. I don't think there'd be anything wrong having a courtside bar at a tennis tournament, but the music that the DJ is playing, and I I don't know what kind of music it is. I'm assuming it's going to be kind of upbeat st- kind of stuff, and yeah. it's not like a four piece. Uh, um, string quartet or something like that. <laughs> Steel drum well, calypso, yeah. And would that just be like for between, right? No, bet- between sets no. or is it during it's while play? while the match is going on? Oh, that's that's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's a song that like somebody really likes, but if not, you can't like shut it off, right? I mean, next we're gonna have tennis players walking into the theme songs like batters and baseball. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I I actually think that's That'd be coming. kind of awesome. Actually, with I the, actually think that's coming. Two-time champion. You see, like the <laughs> pyrotechnics and the, the strobe lights. So it's that would bring more people now. to it, right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't watch tennis, and I don't watch tennis because it's boring. But would you watch it if there was pyrotechnics? I would go to it if there was booze. Well, there's always been say boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Businesses try to fix a problem, and tennis being boring is a problem. Tennis is only boring to you. <laughs> and <laughs> I love tennis. Can, and most well, of America. Can we find a, a happy John, balance, have you ever been though, to a live right? tennis tournament? Nope, because it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, c- can we find a balance, though, where, where somebody like take, take Sorry, John, Sadie. for instance, would be convinced to go and watch it, right? What, what, what would it take? 
And would that Booze. be too much to alienate other? Well, yeah. <laughs> and would that be too much to alienate like longtime traditional fans of the yes. sport? Yes, I mean, it, and it would. That's the problem. It would. There are people who are pissed. Just like there's people who are pissed when it's loud at a golf tournament. You know, I saw an ad for the Masters this past weekend and I turned to my wife and I said, you know, the great thing about that is when it's on is it puts you into this like semi-conscious sort of coma where, you know, you're just <laughs> watching these men wandering around the grass with these sticks. And, and she's like, what about that is appealing? I'm like, I don't know. Just, you know, if you're looking for a quiet weekend, you could do worse than watching this. So, And so I'd be kind of irritated to your point, Jeff, there were suddenly like luchadors and like, you know, <laughs> luchadors. Um, you know yeah, it's like, you know, gangster They're coming with masks on. approaches the T, right? Like, you know. Right. It's, oh, it's, on posse and theme song I'm, going. And, and I'll say too, he's got one of those boxer robes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there are some young guys who love playing their fathers, right? And so the mm -hmm. idea of like getting stodgy and going to the golf club, you know, there is a little group of guys who get who are into that. So it's not all young Turks. I mean, shit, I suck at golf, but I like golf because I like to drink with you assholes. I mean, like, but playing it is way different than watching it on TV. That's true. That's yeah. true. God, I'm so bad. All right, so real, real quick, yay or nay? Do we do we like having uh, the the concept of a courtside bar uh, I'm at in. a tennis match? John, I'm in. You're in. I'll see, yeah, I'll see in Queens. Colin, Try it, see how it goes. A white wine bar, sure. A daiquiri club, probably not. <laughs> mm. Okay, so it has to be the right yeah. kind of bar. No spinning daiquiri and machines. <laughs> no spinning daiquiri machines. <laughs> there were so many daiquiri, daiquiri for tournaments machines in Vegas, on the cruise. Oh my God, you broke my arm. There are 215 bones in the human body. That's one. But this is one next topic. So we don't get too far away from our AI conversation. Um, in her third State of the State address, New York Governor Kathy Hochul, my boss, proposed a statewide consortium that would bring together public and private resources to put New York at the forefront of the AI landscape. So under the plan, uh, Ms. Hochul would direct $275 million in state funds towards the building of a center to be jointly used by a handful of public and private institutions, including the SUNY and CUNY uh, college systems. And so the reason behind this investment would be to strengthen the state economies for users, uh, help offset the disparity between tech companies and academic institutions in a race to develop AI. And so what's our thought about continued strengthen state involvement in the development of AI? Uh, do we think it's good to have a multidisciplinary approach to the de development of something so important? 250 million? That's what 270, she said? 275 million. 275 million? Still not enough. Just not enough. I applaud her for thinking about how maybe government should have a role in AI. I don't know. Is, it, is, this, is this going to be with government or is it more private sector? Or is this, she just kind of wants to start this conversation? Um, it is government, but um, the way she's selling it, because she's a New York state governor, is she's mm -hmm. selling it to get the, 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 the educational institutions and specifically the, okay. SUNY and okay. CUNY, and the SUNY and CUNY programs involved in the research. So I, I applaud her for, for kind of having this conversation, trying to do something with regards to AI, because I think politicians in general have been shying away from AI. Now, granted, your average politician is, you know, 70 years old. But and probably don't know anything about AI. They just kind of hear it from their grandkids or something like that. Yeah. Yes, I'm definitely generalizing. By the way, is she that old? Oh my gosh! Nope, sixty-five. But she's making an effort. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of states that aren't, and I still say two hundred seventy-five million is not enough. 
but at least she's she's making an effort. That's that's kind of my two cents. Well, and New York state governors, for as long as I can remember, and especially as long as I've been a state employee, really like projects that both look liberal and cause jobs. And so this, just like green energy, is just a big job market, like a big giant money grab. AI is going to be, and she sees it, and her advisors see it. I think it's great. I am very, very excited. If you can use this as a pro-working class kind of movement, then that's, that's, I'm all for that. It's 275 million. Where is it coming from? Your tax dollars. <laughs> yeah. Her big bag right. of money, and, and, Colin, her yeah. big bag of money that she has right. limited so, access to, where she built water, a $2 billion and, dollar bridge. It's, it's all the same money. And well, what, what, like, what is it? $2 million dollar bridge? Two billion dollar bridge. Billion. Okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> so I would, would not you, trust a bridge would you that drive on the two million. million dollar bridge. Yeah. Now, so if that's like grant, if that's grants to academic institutions, fantastic. Can't get enough of it. None with mm. Mark, right? More. But what's the private component? Like, are are you giving public mm. taxpayer money to you know? That's true. Yeah. Do we have transparency for where this is going exactly? Colin, um, Mark, and I live in upstate New York, where um, Global Foundry's got the keys to Malta, the whole city. This belongs Pretty to much. them now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bronze not a lot booming. of jobs. And then a lot they of did Germans. They bring a lot of jobs. Yeah. That were Germans. taken by a lot of Germans. And then they built <laughs> a lot of buildings with more shops for, for the Germans to find for places said, to shop and eat. For and, said Germans. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but kind of go, so oh, to bring this kind of, kind of my state, Rhode Island. Uh, yes, Rhode Island's not even talking about this. My my governor is, uh, I, don't, I don't even know if he knows how to spell AI. Um, <laughs> and with regards to bridges, going, kind of going back to bridges, the state recently has just been caught uh, trying to uh, the, 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 the one of the bridges was like about to collapse. This or this bridge that was built relatively recently, like within the last 10 years. Mm. And there was some structural engineers that told them it's like, no, you need to kind of do this to shore everything up. And they just went with another uh, engineering firm that was cheaper and just told them something completely different. And now Don't. that bridge uh, uh. just got shut down and um, only is only allowed like half a truck. Like it's uh. normally four or five lanes wide. And now it's two lanes and it's causing so much traffic uh, going in and out of, uh, of the city. It's just, just ridiculous. If there's one thing you don't shortchange, it's the fucking bridge. <laughs> My state is notorious for just paying oh, no. for whatever the cheapest option is. But that's not this topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did mention a $2 billion bridge in New York, so yes. it's, yeah. it's, it's analogous. I guess the question is, and, and Colin pretty much nailed it on the head, where does the money come from and who gets access? Yeah. 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 And, and what, uh, what money is not getting appropriated to other areas that because of because of right. this, that's going to be that's going to be the big Republican debate, right? And I mean, it, it's a valid question for sure. I mean, transparency. I feel like both sides of the aisle want full transparency. They want to know where their tax money is going. I mean, that's like that, that two hundred seventy-five right. million could have probably gone into some teacher salaries, right? I'll tell you though, yeah. right? I guess something I think something else useful is a little bit more of a centrist, um, business-leaning thing that she's doing to stay relevant in the political mm -hmm. standpoint jobs and money keep politicians in power generally absolutely um, and i think that she sure. likes being governor and to be honest As i don't think she's doing a bad job i mean she yeah. got reelected now on her own accord and um, she did she just negotiated a big deal with the state labor union so colin's happy 
if you're going to do stuff that that props up some businesses, as long as they're, you know, local companies hiring local, keeping things in the state, New York does seem to be pretty good about that. Or, or, or at the very least, right, businesses operating within New York and having employees in New York giving incentives tax wise for those things. If this is kind of along the same vein and it's uh, whether it's giving grants uh, like like uh, Mark and Colin had said uh, to people that are potentially workforces in this industry, uh, right? Just if it's pro pro every everyday Joe, right? Right. Pro pro workforce as well as these businesses, right? That's fine. If it's right. If it's just a, a blank check to a CEO of a major corporation that happens to be in New York, then that's bullshit. So I don't think that's what that, this is. It doesn't, no, sound it doesn't like seem like it. Is. It doesn't sound like it. No, not to continuously plug NYSERDA, but that's how NYSERDA handles <laughs> green energy funds in New York state. We give it to people who are doing projects in New York state. And um, right. But you guys vet those companies. You make sure it's going yeah. to the right place. Yeah. Yeah. And God, if people say, people <laughs> say, like, <laughs> don't take money the idea. or like they take money and they don't build the thing they said we would build. They, we find them. I mean, they get fined. So it's pretty. The checks and balances are pretty strong and in place. State budgets and thinking about that, I was shocked to learn this week that uh, since its inception, sports betting in New York has brought in two billion dollars to the state budget. Have you guys heard oh, this? That it's massive. Such Enough a good segue. And that is a great segue into the next topic. <laughs> there you go. That's a great segue, Colin. So here you go. So going going back, sorry, Pete, going back to okay. tennis, but also a great segue for what Colin was talking about. It was reported last year that 180 professional tennis players from over 30 countries were caught participating in a global max match fixing ring. Holy this shit. was all... This was all started by, I'm going to get this wrong, Grigor Sargent, who was a student in Brussels, Belgium, and who saw a lot of his friends betting on sports. He later found out that professional tennis players don't really make that much money, especially in the lower levels, and apparently are enticed to make a quick buck. According to Kevin CF of the Washington Post, betting on tennis is a $50 billion industry. So wow. I got to tell you, I didn't think it was worth that much money. Like even by a factor of 100, I didn't think it was worth that mm -hmm. much money. That's a big industry. There's a lot of betting. People bet on, people could probably bet on how long this show goes. Just check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's your profit on now? It's probably in addition, yeah. <laughs> in addition to the scandal, we've seen multiple NFL players get busted. Uh, the two biggest colleges in Iowa and cricket players in India also getting caught cheating. So, everyone, why do you think athletes keep getting caught for gambling? How prevalent do we think it is in today's society? And is the overwhelming majority just not getting caught? Yep, gambling's mm. fun. I mean, let's just start there. <laughs> Gambling yeah, is yeah. fun. Well, Winning it's is now legal fun. in most states. Making I mean, money that you didn't have before is fun. I mean, right. I like to gamble a lot. And sports gambling on your phone is magical. Just magical. I still haven't, I still haven't done it. I'm afraid of what it's going to do to me. If your cousin calls you and says, this tennis match in Australia at this time, I'm telling you, if you put 100 bucks on it, you're going to make 500. You know, and... and like you why wouldn't you you know and having done it once god i mean it feeds itself from there right yeah that's right that's it's like a drug almost 
Yeah. The rush of it. We watched a hundred movies about boxers diving and about it all being gang controlled. I mean, this shit happens all the time. Horse racing is fixed, period, hard stop all the time. Because when there's money to be made, people are making it. Absolutely. Yeah. So then are you gambling on the event itself or the knowledge of the fix? Right. Right. That's where Depends on how much you know. That's where yeah. the real gamblers are made. Yeah. There's sure. a term in um, horse racing. It's called bridge jumping. And to simplify it, even though you guys can tell, what you do is you take a low odds favorite, right? And because the way the horse racing works when you bet, at the lowest odds, you always have to make 10 cents on the dollar. That's the minimum they can give you back. It's one to nine, 10 cents on the dollar. And so there are people yeah. who will bet low odds horses for tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars and sometimes because you can't tell horse racing and sometimes it's fixed um they lose and so the the joke is you jump off a bridge if you lose that much money the idea of horse racing is a version of this but just like if you are a tennis player and you can make a thousand dollars by just not winning and you're not that good then you do that it's easy you just lose they tried to be smart. I did do a little research on this before. They tried to be smart about it. They weren't trying to necessarily dog during the whole match. It might have been just a point here and a point there. So they tried to be a little bit smart about it. But I mean, mm. the the thing that happened that made everyone caught is the guy that was the brainchild of this, this, this Grigor Sargent was the one that got caught and he just ratted on everyone. So uh, that's why, okay. that's why uh, it, so many people were got involved with it. Uh, I didn't read whether or not all 180 tennis players were convicted of anything or anything like that. They, um, but it's, I mean, I, I get it. T tennis is definitely not a big money maker. Even, even like the ones that are winning the tournaments really, uh, compared to the other sports, especially football and baseball and basketball, not making as much money as those sports, right? It's so easy to get caught in this, especially if you think you're not going to get caught, and especially if an overwhelming majority of the people that are doing it are not getting caught. I think we're kind of all aligned on that, too, right? Most people are not getting caught doing it. Imagine and it's kind of easy to do, right? Sure. It's kind of easy to do. You yeah. have someone else. You, someone in your posse does it for you. I was going to say, right, what is the easiest way to do this? Don't put it in your name like okay if you're andre agassi and you're in a tennis i mean yes he's long retired but i don't know tennis but like say he's like <laughs> gonna bet on his own game you know he's not gonna be like hey i'm gonna log in as andre agassi and uh, i'm gonna bet on myself for blah 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 or bet on the other guy you, and then i'm gonna lose you like you don't do that you, you get bitcoin, your friend to do it you could or just launder it with bitcoin you'd be invincible or that yeah, <laughs> yeah. but but you don't Seriously. use your name on the account you, you right. do it through yeah. a friend or some contact right Rambo Johnson. Yeah. Wow, that's actually really <laughs> yeah, surprising. Exactly. Um, Roger Federer well, is worth name, $550 million as a net worth. Well, that's, is, that's mostly through endorsements. I mean, that's not, how you not have to from make his money, tennis right? earnings. It's right. not from his tennis earnings. And those are also the biggest names. Oh, so even maybe that was the wrong kind of person. Right? Yeah. But I mean, maybe that's that what you want to know because you're comparative, yeah. right? Comparative salaries yeah, to no. the guys, the highest paid like sports players in football, right? Soccer being the most. Uh, but what, what Mark brought up is a, a lot of these people betting and stuff, right? I bet a lot of these 180 players or however many it was that got caught, you know, they're not the ones earning these hundreds of millions of dollars in no. endorsements. And that's what's happening in the NFL too. The NFL, the players that are getting caught are the ones not making yeah. the big bucks. I have to think it's prevalent in MMA. Yeah. I, I oh yeah. Oh been, sure. You know, the same position where you're busting your ass all the time for like you know a three thousand dollar purse. You know you haven't paid your rent in six weeks, 
hey, you know, <laughs> this yeah. guy's probably going to take you out anyway. Just make sure it's in the second round. And, you know, it, it's got to be. Got to be. And what I was saying yeah. is, I mean, there are a limit of events where it is a one-on-one -on -one match that is publicly televised, right? Tennis. Mm, yeah boxing, MMA. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are things that are easily fixed because you were a person with free will. Who had the yeah. prop bet, though, on Mike Tyson biting Evander Holyfield's ear off in that uh, new matchup in the 90s? Uh, I bet you someone did. Some, <laughs> somebody, some crazy sicko bet that. I bet you sure. someone did. I love Cocaine those. My person, like, yeah. like John said, I f like, if I have $100 to bet, I put like 60 to 70 of it on the sure thing. You know, mm -hmm. and then like the little thirty left over, I spend like two dollars here, five dollars there, and all the weird little parlays. You know, right, the prop bets are the most fun. One of them hits. It's yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, on high odds parlays where, are fun. That's where windfalls come from. Colin, um, what platform does Mark need to sign up for at the end of the show? Nope. And I think nope. Do it. doing it. Come on. I, I, what gambling I platform? I mean. He loves oh. to gamble. Mark is a gambler. I guess, gambler. what do you, what do you, so Ryan has actually a state app, believe it or not, that oh, no. I could get I at shit. I've heard, I, no, 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 I've heard actually, that's a pretty good one to do. Okay. I, use I Draft have Kings. people that use it. I, I, I mean, DraftKings will give you $500 for signing up. Yeah. Right. I've heard good Draft things Kings, about DraftKings. When too, I yeah. first signed up, they gave me a lot of little fun freebies. We did really well. We took, you know, we made money. We pulled it out and ate it, you know, um, and, and since that, it's been my platform of choice. Yeah, we should, like you know, we should do, for Draft next Kings season, actually was is, uh, was created in Boston, so that's that was actually huh. probably the one I would probably do. There you go. We should all do DraftKings and put in the same amount of money to start the same amount of seed money and see where we all end up at the end of a season. But oh, my point in bringing cool would that be? So New York sports gambling like that actually. Online sports gambling is two billion dollars in New York, and this year they're introducing legislation to make online poker legal. Wait, does that two billion dollars? Uh, does that include the state lottery at all? Because I heard you can no. do the state lottery, right? You can. No, this is just from the sports betting alone. Got it. Um, so, wow. you know, with, with poker on the tail, right, that's a lot of money coming in. So for things like, you know, AI, you're, you're suddenly funding all kinds of stuff. Although the state lottery is technically money. supposed to be non profit, right? New York right. will legalize anything <laughs> as long as they can tax it. They're, they're, the Absolutely. sports gambling, this is the very true. Now, they yep, just have to figure poker. it out. So they, they want their cut. We're just yeah. a little slow. Yeah. Everyone wants their cut. Does it hurt when you get shot? I sent injuries. The date that could be called next topic. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about a wacky story that I read. Um, this week, California Governor Gavin Newsom said he would not sign a proposed ban on tackle football for children under 12. And so the proposal from Democratic Assembly member Kevin McCarthy would have phased in gradually through 2029. And so while it doesn't mean it won't become law in California, the proposed ban was a step too far for Newsom. And um, probably it would be problematic for Newsom to sign something as he is a potential candidate for president past 2024 and would be courting votes in middle America and across the country. Um, the goal was to have kids play flag football until the age of 12, which would give athletes only three years of playing actual tackle football before entering high school and getting murdered. <laughs> and so what do we think about this attempt to le uh, legislate youth football, the involvement in government in more everyday life and the impact of big government on athletics overall? Government should not get involved with that. I'm sorry. Like I, 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 while I understand I tackle football off. is very, mm -hmm. very dangerous. I'm sorry. That is not something that government should get involved in. That is definitely something that is, is a choice for the parents. Okay. Yeah, that's a bit over. I agree. That's overreaching. That, that is overstepping from a government mm. side and and 
while so I, I I kind of applaud Gavin Newsom for that. And there's actually there's actually a lot of things I don't really applaud Gavin Newsom on, but that <laughs> one I kind of do because again, I that's that's something that government should just not get involved with. That that is a yeah. personal choice. You can you can kind of argue certain that kind of uh, correlates with something else, which we're not going to get into right now. Government's just overstepping right now. Yeah, John, you know what I'm getting at for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how you walk the line. But hey, no, I mean, that's that's good that like you have a governor that, you know, he got the proposal, thought about it. And it was like probably the same thing you're saying. Like, OK, that's too much. Like we're 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 stepping into personal decisions of families and parents. Like, what are we doing? We're supposed to be serving the public, not dictating them. Actually, all right. I kind of want to steer I have, I have a, a little bit. I have a question. I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Colin, to go test ahead, the edges here. So. I like I like the thinking. Would you apply the thinking as well to girls tackle football? Mm-hmm. Right. It's the parents' decision. You should, right? You should, right? It's the parents' decision because there, there are women right now do play flag play football. Tackle. There's an emergence. Of, there's right. an emergence of women yeah. playing not not just flag football, John. Tackle football. Tackle and there's football. a and there are some girls that are probably the, kick the shit the out of show. some of the boys playing. Yeah. yeah. That girl, that girl I mean, who I'll plays a starting safety on, um, and I could look it up, but some college teams, she is a yeah. impressive. No, person. but there's like there's like full leagues too of of mm-hmm. of girls playing tackle football too. Oh, yeah. be, girls who I mean, do roller derby. I, yeah, the, R, mm-hmm. the RPI women's ice hockey team would disassemble a Wendy's in 20 minutes. <laughs> oh my I god! Mean, yeah. There are girls who can play tackle football. You know, sure. So. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, roller derby, right? There's there's like leagues in Buffalo too for that, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, Riverworks, the bar. So shout they, out to Riverworks. Those are women are <laughs> yeah, Mark, what's insane. interesting <laughs> about your verbiage and just your response is that I read um, counter arguments to Newsom's decision that were based on parenting and being able to make the decision to play football but not worry about injury. And 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 I think that Newsom and, and the laws in general are aware that you know, tackle football increases the uh, the risks of head injury. And they do have a lot of laws in California on the books that if you're going to coach youth tackle football, you do have to take a class on concussions. Um, and so it's like, I, I agree that government shouldn't be involved in this, but I guess the question is, um, do we legislate people when they're making decisions that are against their safe, uh, their, you know, their common good and their safety, or do we let them do these things that are maybe a little dangerous? Like I mean, what is what is the position of government to keep the public for for general public safety, right? I'm not convinced that tackle football is injure is major, seriously injuring over half of the kids. I'm not. Like are there are there some big injuries associated with tackle football? Yes. Of course there is. Are there concussions associated with it? Yes. And and all sorts of injuries, especially considering there's all these these uh, coaches that are generally going to be parents, especially in the in the lower levels, that are just your job is to just take the head off of this uh, this other kid, okay? Okay, well, yeah, those, um, those coaches now clearly are bad that's news, an yeah. issue right there because those coaches aren't exactly teaching the best ways to play the game. So that's that's kind of another thing. But five five percent of football players from the ages of five to fourteen sustain a concussion. I mean, is that too really? much? One in twenty. So, so every class is going to have one kid get a concussion. I, I don't necessarily believe that stat. I really don't. I don't think it's one in twenty. That that's that's that that's that's essentially. So in a in a game, you have eleven on eleven. So one of those kids is going to get a concussion. Yeah, in their I, I football career over nine sound, years. 
Oh, I mean, I guess over that okay. much time. Over nine years. Sure. All right, that's yeah, different. That's Ages a long five time. to 14. Right. The, okay. That's not like per game. I was going to say, no. did, did you guys, any of you play Little League? I played one year. No. Uh, I was going to ask, did, did um, Peter Collin play um, peewee football? I did not. I did. I, oh, I played basketball. I did not. I played play basketball football. and baseball and lacrosse and volleyball. I got my knee hurt in a practice, and uh, there was one, one game where literally... Uh, a kid broke his arm. I don't know if it was our team or the other team and they, the ambulance went in the field. It was all, all dramatic, but I don't remember. And granted this was right. The late eighties, early nineties, there wasn't the data on head injuries and concussions that there is now or the awareness of it. So I'm sure a lot of kids got their bell rung and just, we didn't know, but as far as I remember, right. As far as I remember, there wasn't anything like that. Um, I I mean, our quarterback, our quarterback got hit in the head so hard once his helmet fell off like and broke. He literally sitting Ooh. there in the game and said his helmet was in pieces and like, was like it, the, the face mask was, was swinging. A, was it a Quaker that hit him? I don't remember. <laughs> 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 my, my Orchard Park Quaker. I almost did yeah. a oh, no. <laughs> Actually, this was so I played Colin. So I played for the town of Boston. So Hamburg was our, actually our riot, an enemy. Of oh, ours. okay. Yeah, th- this was Boston, New York. So we had the Boston. Mark would be proud of this. I had the Boston paid the old Boston Patriot logo wow. guy. He was under my helmet. Nice. Yeah. The right. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had the old ass New England Patriots. Uh, <laughs> Team colors and everything. To take this home, I think the final question is, um, this kind of thing getting legalized would really take away actual viable experience for kids for nine years of tackle football. I mean, nine, even more than that, because, you know, nine years, nine years of tackle football would be just erased. And so you learn the function of football and how to play football, how to throw and how to run and how to catch. But you know, we learn how to tackle and tackling is a skill. Any yeah. sport, John. Think think about sure. think about if we couldn't play little league or basketball until we're twelve years old. Yeah, how much we would have yeah. sucked. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, like like a okay. like a yeah. no boxing out version of basketball where you can't touch other players. I mean, it's yeah, I don't know. right. And who's to say, right? You don't have these leagues. The kids are going to want to play shit. I, I hope at least, and and I would hope that parents still encourage their kids to go outside and play with other kids, like. They're going to play their own way, their own rules, and play tackle football in the yard without pads and without structure and without coaching. Ooh, black market football leagues? <laughs> yeah, I've been, in, I've been in quite a few of those games. And I will say the worst injury that I remember sustaining, uh, I got hit so hard in a pickup game of uh, two-hand touch control football, right, uh, on just with a bunch of randos, that I got hit. I saw a flash of white, black, and the next thing I knew, I was on the ground, and a kid on the other team was running away with the football that I had, like that I swore I had a second ago. So, uh, and that was not in a league; that was just in a random pickup game that we decided. Did to you have. ever play? That was last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was last. <laughs> that was against my neighbors. Pete, did you uh, Pete. did you ever play snow football with us at uh at behind tap oh, yeah. at RPI? I uh, I did some ultimate frisbee with you guys. I don't know if I got to play football with you. Uh no, snow football. Oh, that would have been so much very different because we uh, tackled the snow <laughs> i did um, play real qu- i i, I have yeah, a real quick ahead. question for pete if liam uh has an interest in playing football do you think what you as parents China. will have him play i'd have to talk to steph with that oh, only only if we were both in in complete agreement with it right and that would be a long you like discussion. how i worded that by the that question by the way yeah 
No, really good, man. Really good. <laughs> it's a different perspective, right? When you're talking about yourself, you're like, whatever, hold my beer. But right when it's your kid involved, it is different. We'd have to have a long talk about that. It's it's a dangerous sport. And but that's the thing. That's a choice up to the parent and the individual family as opposed to, you know, a government uh literally just banning it for nine years for everybody. I just had this thought before we move on. I'm sorry. And you can edit this out, John, if you want. <laughs> Here we um, go. Okay. <laughs> I actually, th- I, I think I remember hearing about a stat. I'm not hundred percent sure if this is accurate or not, that kids get just as many concussions in soccer that they do in football. Soccer mm-hmm. is also incredibly violent. I'd argue more ACLs get torn in soccer because we have living ah. proof with a bunch of our friends. <laughs> Come with me if you want the next topic. And now we're going to talk about another sport that doesn't make it on this podcast very often. Golf. But don't worry, Mm. everyone, you'll probably still be able to follow along at home Mm. as it's about the phenomenon known as Tiger Woods. So back Mm. in August of 1996, Nike took a gamble and partnered with Tiger as he was about to break into the sport of golf professionally. Sure enough, the gamble paid off as Tiger has become the most recognizable name and face in the Scottish pastime. However, present day Woods has been a shell of his former self and Nike has seemingly been trying to sever all ties to golf. So everyone, does it make sense that Tiger Woods and Nike are severing ties after 27 years together? Wow. Same argument. I mean, of, Nobody's watching golf. It's boring. Old My people are still, still watching golf. Old people, people are still watching golf. I don't know. I mean, that is an old person. Oh wait, but, shit. He's but Tiger Woods <laughs> isn't winning. Tiger Woods isn't winning tournaments. Now, what Tiger should do? Tiger of old. Yeah. No. What Tiger should do, and um, what I would do if I were him, is Charlie Woods is a very good golf player. And um, mm-hmm. Charlie and Tiger just played a major together, uh, a, 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 a duo major together, and they did very well. They came in second. Um, Charlie Woods hits the ball a mile. Tiger should Much say, like his father did. hey, Nike, look at my handsome son who's good at golf. Let's get that going, right? And just push Charlie right into the spotlight. I mean, they're already famous. Charlie already wants to play golf. It's not bad parenting. He already has been playing golf his whole life. And just kind of mentor his son because you're right. Nobody wants to see an old guy who doesn't win anymore. But maybe they want to see the son of a famous legend start winning. Sure. Tiger's doing a a lot of things that his his father, uh, Earl, was, was doing to him. Getting him involved in golf really early. I believe his teaching method is going to be a little bit different because Earl Woods was a little bit more sergeant, drill sergeant like. And I think mm-hmm. Tiger has been. If this is something you want to do, then you should do it, and I will support you with it. I th- believe that's what Tiger's stance has been with Charlie this this whole time. But you're okay. absolutely right. Charlie has got the makings of a very good golf player. However, um. I mean, if, if 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 Nike wants to sever their ties with Tiger now, that probably means that Charlie's not going to get that Nike deal either. And now Tiger is supposedly talking with other uh, companies. I believe uh, uh, TaylorMade has kind of been the front runner with regards to uh, some of the stuff that he's been doing. He's already got he's wearing FootJoy, so he's also he's he's already got a deal with Titleist with regards to their balls. And FootJoy is is owned <laughs> by Titleist as well. I mean, balls. Those are the best balls in the world, aren't they? <laughs> balls <laughs> so whatever tiger does i wouldn't be, i wouldn't be surprised if that's what charlie does as well makes sense it does feel like the end of an era though doesn't it tiger and nike was synonymous for our, our entire nike, teenage nike years zero, right our early adulthood they they just weren't involved with golf at all and then tiger woods came and oh 
like we want to get involved with golf so they they went all yeah. in with tiger and it, it paid off for them but now yeah, they're kind of leaning back and uh there's a couple of uh, like jason day uh also another big golfer i'm sure none of you guys have heard of him but he's uh, he's he's backed out of his nike deal be um, a lot to, because of tiger as well uh, and uh, rory mcelroy has a deal with nike as well and he is trying he's uh considering backing out as well so are nike starting to like ramp down their products too because I mean, yeah I know so they, 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 used, right, they, to, they used to they used to manufacture bags, golf balls and, and clubs they don't do that anymore mm -hmm. so they really it's really just the apparel it's so just i think like that's mo more of the writing the writing on the walls is that nike doesn't want to be in the golf game anymore well and, they still have deals with some golfers and brooks and on top, is one of them on top Brooke, of that he's a, he's a big name i don't necessarily believe that tiger woods will ever have trouble finding sponsorship his name i don't is think so Woods. either no someone else no. is just gonna hop on that money wagon and like you said right it'll transition from him being a player to maybe a senior player but i mean that kind of reminds me of like jack nicholas making this transition when we were kids right like think, kicking think and screaming about, into into the uh the golden uh retirement league basically nike's first golden goose was michael jordan right yeah and if you ever watch the movie Air, you can see how all that kind of came down. Yep. Michael Jordan is still affiliated with Nike to this day. You could argue Tiger Woods is on the same level as Michael Jordan with regards to the sport of golf. Relative everyone sport, goes, yeah. everyone wants to, whenever they're going to a golf tournament, they want to see Tiger. Whenever they're watching golf on TV, I know none of you do, but whenever anyone watches golf on TV, they're they want to see Tiger Woods. All of the TV coverage is going is pointing at Tiger Woods, regardless of whether or not he's in contention. Yeah, too. yeah, I was but gonna say most of the time he's not even that high up in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, but if we think about and the movie air, if we think about Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan obviously made a very similar impact as Tiger Woods did in the games mm -hmm. that they both played, but. I think that one of the reasons that Michael Jordan is still relevant is because Jordans are still relevant. Air Jordans are a thing, and they became a cultural phenomenon when Jordan was playing. I mean, there's not like a there's not like a tiger hat or a tiger shoe or like there is there's no there is, but like <laughs> they didn't market it the same way. It's not the uh, same. It's not the same. Yeah, product. you're probably right about that. You're probably right about that because more people definitely follow the NBA than than the PGA Tour. Right. However, um. People want it. People still want to wear what Tiger's wearing on Sunday. Like Tiger has a, uh, he wears a red shirt and black pants every single Sunday. That's what he wears. And people want to buy those outfits as soon as they see him wearing it to this mm -hmm. day. So personally, I think it's a mistake that Nike doesn't want to play ball with Tiger Woods anymore. He hasn't won a major in I, four I, years, Mark. He's like, Michael Jordan had, hasn't won a championship in a while. Well, he, he also, he also yeah. is retired. For but he's still a, he's still a big name. Tiger Woods yeah. is, is still arguably the biggest name in golf. You're not going to sell him. Yeah, it's still a brand that you that you could use. But I mean, you, you'd argue golf is was never as flashy as the NBA, though. So maybe it's different sports. Different. Tiger brought kinda. a lot of people to golf that never ever thought that they would. Play I mean, that's true. He, well, yeah, yeah. This is a pretty sweet video game that Mark and I were obsessed with for a couple of years. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. And I wonder if the uh, if Tiger is still the name of the EA Sports golf game. Tiger Vision. You have to look that boom, up. Boom, boom, I, boom, I'm, boom, boom, I'm sorry my brain boom, works boom. this way, but have you, speaking of promoting uh, relics of the past, have you heard about this unauthorized biopic of Richard Simmons where he's going to be played by Pauly Shore? 
I just read what? about that today. I did hear about yeah. that. Wild. Yeah. Pauly Shore, dude. Good for Pauly Shore. Good for yeah. Pauly Shore. Yeah. And apparently Richard Simmons is pretty butthurt about it. It's I think like, I have the same birthday as Pauly Shore. It's huh. exciting. I definitely have the same birthday as Richard Simmons. Hey, Mark. Interesting. What time is it? Gotta work on it. It's the final topic. Don't judge us, Colin. Yeah, Con, I used to try to stop them, but now I just... I we have to do it again now, John. We have to do it again. <laughs> no, no. no just kidding. too I'm much kidding. time. Too oh, much. I had, more, I had more Terminator ones, too. It's okay. okay. You can save them. For next week, they were all wonderful, oh. and I love them. I will. Oh, Hi, Liam. Oh, I'm sorry, Liam. Liam. Liam's singing along with the next to the final topic. It's the final topic. Mark, that's really great, buddy. That's really great. All right, so... <laughs> It's been a while since we've come up with a Marvel topic, and I had to bring it up. Ooh, it has uh, been a while. This past weekend, I ripped through the MCU's new show, Echo, oh, being, it was Echo? Only fi- yes. being only five episodes long. Um, this is the first show under the Marvel Spotlight banner, and it focuses on the Kingpin's niece, Maya, and her life after the events of 2021's Hawkeye. Uh, Marvel Spotlight is a little bit of a dying breath, but it's Marvel's attempt to showcase individual products, or projects, that is, all characterized by their grounded and character-driven approach. That is marketing material, but whatever. Um, The show itself was great, uh, but the more interesting part and the news this week is how the actress who played Echo, Alakwa Cox, was born deaf in a Native American tribe in Wisconsin and is an amputee, just like Echo. Um, so, what do you think about Marvel Spotlight, Mar- Echo itself, if you guys have watched it, and an attempt by Marvel to stop telling the same old story? Also, how important is representation and diversity in fiction? I actually did, uh, I, did I, I streamed it all last weekend as well. Uh, saw all five episodes in one sitting. Oh my god, the show they, is so fucking good. The show, I, I wouldn't say it's re- really no, good, but no. it was good. It was, it was good. It, was the, it wasn't... It wasn't Game of Thrones. It wasn't top television. No, it's no, not no, going to no. win it. It's not going to win an Emmy, but as is comparatively, it is a good product, and they finally and, put out and, a good product. And I and I see why they did put it out as a limited series versus a movie. I it because it doesn't really grab your attention immediately like a movie would, especially a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. There there was a lot of character building um, within it as well, and. Um, I mean, Vincent D'Onofrio as as the kingpin man. Uh, he 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 did pretty good. I I I had thought, um, and that whole complicated relationship between between Echo and uh, and Kingpin, I thought was 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 a great angle. Um, wow, well, I've got to see this. Did you guys watch the um the Marvel Daredevil shows? I did. So I'm they very spent excited. Lo- there's there's more coming apparently. I worked yeah. on them. So they spent a lot of time in the Marvel Daredevil shows. I'm explaining the case. This is not the ones on the CW or is it it one on the CW? No, No, there were none on the CW. This was Netflix. There was a whole Netflix Marvel universe. That's why I haven't seen it. They're excellent. To to shorten it, they explained um, kind of why Kingpin was the way he was. And a lot of it has to do with anger. Anger, a little bit of trauma, a lot of like internal anxiety. And so the show possibly even even mental health things too, right? Like he was he had some serious like 
but ridiculous strength. Yeah, I I loved those are some of the first things when I got into the VFX industry for realsies. Like I got to it was very lucky to work on Daredevil oh, from that and cool. Jessica Jones. They were so much fun to work on, and those were such good shows. They did uh, a lot. At, at Pete, least those if you two. watch the show, they did a lot of really cool single camera action again because they remembered that people like that shit. They like cool action yeah. sequences. Um, yeah, and all the effects we did was all getting rid of stunt wires and practical stuff, right? Like they did so much in camera. So that, that in was Echo, really impressive. Lockwa Cox, actually deaf, actually an amputee. In Echo, they spent a lot of time trying to. Um, well, first, all the all the actors learned ASL. Um, which was super cool. That's that's um, great. Isn't uh, that great? That's um, great. And they spent a lot of time. She did the whole um, talk show circuit this week. They spent a lot of time developing things so that she knew when they were done. So there were devices, vibrational devices, so that she could be like acting, but also know when it's time for her to start signing. And I bring it up in the question because I think it's important. Um, they asked her in the circuit this week, how important would it have been for her as a young person, a young Native American, a young... Um, person with a disability to see herself like to see someone with her, that looked like her on television who had strength and she just i mean obviously so important so yeah. incredibly empowering yeah. yeah and i've said this before but like i think that's what comics and superheroes are about just like giving a voice and power to kind of some kind of like a downtrodden person of society like it used to just be nerds right because it used to not be cool to be a nerd but i think marvel's really trying to do it with people with serious actual disabilities who are contrib contributing contributing like actual marvel's members doing, of society oh yeah marvel's been trying to do a very good job of yeah of doing some kind of representation and this is nothing new with the mcu this is marvel shtick since the 60s since the 60s, yeah, since, since the beginning, you know, wow, Peter Parker's such a nerd, but what if he was strong? Yeah. Right. The X-Men yep. is all about diversity and, and representation and inclusion of outsiders, yeah. right? And, and one, one thing that I, uh, I'm always, always going to remember this quote by, by Stan Lee, uh, that why, why P Peter Parker or why Spider-Man wore a mask and he could be anyone mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. like, like how, how, uh, so um, cool. How forward thinking was Stan Lee yeah. in, in, in doing that? And, um, you know, now we have Intro to the Spider-Verse and all that, right? So, yeah. I did, I did enjoy that series. I, I, I saw, I mean, I, I could definitely see why it, it wouldn't have been a very good movie. Um, I, I shouldn't say that. It wouldn't have drawn a lot of uh, uh, crowds, I think, into the theaters as a movie. Mm -hmm. There are a number of people who are a little pissed that it feels like just a launch point into Daredevil. Which it kind of is, honestly. Well, it is kind of problem? is. Oh, Daredevil's so cool. <laughs> well, Daredevil well, and, born and, again. In some right. respects, yeah. In some respects, though, why do we like why do we like Marvel movies in a lot because of the character development, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. This is the uh, now we did see her in part of um, Hawkeye, Haw the mm -hmm. that limited series with Hawkeye, but yes. we didn't really know an awful lot about her, and it was I love the fact that they did kind of do flashbacks to Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. Um, especially in the um, in in the first uh, episode. Well, of, they explained uh, the the missing parts that you didn't know. Where mm -hmm. was she when this, mm -hmm. these things were happening? Um, which I think was necessary. And also, they have to make these shows so that you don't have to watch the previous shows. Um, yeah. So that's what they tried yeah. to do. Someone who hasn't seen the previous shows, I have not seen Hawkeye yet. Do I need mm. to see that before I see this? No, they explain it. No. Okay. The first I episode think it, is a, it might help. The first episode is essentially previously Hawkeye itself explains that 
You should still watch Hawkeye. Though. Oh, Hawkeye it's on my list. Awesome. Hawkeye was awesome. I, I, as John knows, you have, I'm to, going, you have to know about yes. Josh Allen's girlfriend. <laughs> That's right. As as John knows too, right now I'm going through WandaVision finally, like three mm. or four oh, years later. So good. Yeah, I'm going through that right now. I'm about maybe halfway to two thirds of the way through that. Um, and then I'm going to do Hawkeye next. And no, stuff I will get to Loki season two eventually too. Hawkeye was really fun. Like really, really fun. I think what's the MCU has a problem. Okay. So we have finally fired uh, Kang. Kang uh, what's his face? Um, oh, that's official. Yeah, yeah, he got fired. He's gone. Oh, I did not hear that. <laughs> Jonathan, oh, yeah, Majors. Jonathan Majors. Well, Jonathan mm, yeah. Majors got convicted of um, domestic abuse and all the things he was charged oh, with. Oh, I did not hear that either. Disney yeah. fired him that day. So they are kind of trying to pivot a little bit. And honestly, and I've been saying it, Kingpin would make a great big bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and they, yeah, they well, could easily, with, with Kang the Conqueror too, just they, they, they have a way to explain why he looks different, right? Yeah, but mm. they... yeah. Not to give away a, too much of Loki season two, which was very good, by the way, Pete, but they really wrapped up a lot of things in Loki season two. Yeah, it's on our list. We that That's one that Steph wants to watch, too, because she's a huge fan of the Thor and Loki universe. So we're we're going to watch that one bow. together. So I don't know if they need it, honestly. I'm, I didn't really, and I am a fanboy for sure. But really? I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, check it out. <laughs> I I didn't really like I didn't really like the storyline very much and I don't think anybody did either I think we're done well, I think we're done John you ready? no <laughs> John I will cue you I will cue no, okay. you when to start the music ah shit alright there we go All right. don't uh, so that is go. so that has been our eight topics we would like to thank our guests for joining us this week thank you Colin thanks Colin Please subscribe to us by tickling that little bell or follow or like us on our socials at If These Balls Pod on X, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, and TikTok. You said our you'd me. W- I did. I, w- I did that. <laughs> I wasn't looking. <sighs> our website is www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com. This is Mark Pesci. And for my partner, John Campania, who's new to this, and producer Pete Steffen, that's what we feel they would say, If These Balls Could Talk. It's perfect. Good night, everyone. We'll be back. We'll be back.